0: Some of the obvious things that you notice as you when you meditate or you establish mindfulness presence sense of the mind being having a, a focal point mind witnessing is that uh, everything is very energetic the thoughts and moods, sensations coming and going, Uh, things are very mobile, there is a lot of energy there and it's even when we are not deliberately doing anything, just being around is pretty, it's a workout isn't it, it's pretty much like you are on the go, just sitting there, (laughs) hashing things over, thoughts and feelings and (laughs) the present, the past, the future. What we can do, and even when some of those topics die down, there's still the arising of uh, perceptions, impressions, softness, brightness, openness, spaciousness, suddenly cloudiness, memories come up. The whole thing is just like continual unfolding of perceptions and impressions. Sometimes you get these volition or impulses, these intentions suddenly rise up and you feel you've got to do something or you feel yourself getting flurried and flustered. You try to control something or putting something away or working something out and then the mind sort of sometimes calms again and you drop that and you feel yourself unfolding, dropping back into something more spacious and open. And then you're in this kind of pool for a while. And the waves start rippling away and you wonder if this is it or should you do something else. It's continual interplay of um, sometimes pleasant, sometimes unpleasant, sometimes very mundane, frustratingly mundane. Stuck with, you know, daily life notions that you we should put aside. You know, sometimes more of a spiritual or internal nature, such as strange energies or states of consciousness arising, all of it kind of riding on this ongoing tide of energy. You know, you know, so this is what we mean by sankara. Sankara is a is a, an energetic process means the process of things being made, of things coming into being. Even if we don't deliberately decide to make them still, this magical process of things being made, things being fashioned, things coming into being, it's different states of consciousness keeps going. The is pleasant, skillful, wholesome, unpleasant, unskillful, unwholesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we have this, there is also the quality of, of wisdom or discernment, something you know or witnesses this, is watching this or feeling it, sensing that it passes, the fact that we can sense things pass means how can you sense something changing if you are that? you would you know if you're if you're riding in an airplane you don't feel like you're moving because you're in it if you're right, sitting in an elevator you don't feel like you're in it because you're moving you're you are moving you are do not feel like you're moving because you're in it it's only the movement it's only because something in you isn't in it some way of witnessing or being apart from that from that flow it's not Apart in a negative way, it's just the very fact that we're not completely in all this stuff. We want some of us, sometimes we want to get in it. We really want to get into and and create something wonderful, blissful, happy, satisfying, final, got there, that's it, find the ultimate truth, get in there, get the thing, you know. get to the bit, get to the realisation experience get in there, find it sometimes we really want to get away from it, get out of it or I wish this thing would stop altogether my mind is buzzing away, I wish it would just shut up and stop altogether and we want to get out of it but you can't quite get into it because every time you feel you've got something it's sort of after what it sort of moves and melts you can't quite get out of it either because <laughs> as you feel, ah, oh, you finally got out of it, something creeps up and starts nudging you again. Some physical feeling you know, comes in, or some sound, or some memory comes up, or something you've got to do that arises in your mind. So you never quite get in it, and you never quite get out of it. You know? This is consciousness. You know? Consciousness is the sense of things always being presented, you know, new presentations. Yeah. It's like an ongoing movie, it's soft and spacious and silent, and then a bit of, of agitation or interference. Yeah. And somehow we, we, this is consciousness. It means. It doesn't mean some ultimate state. It doesn't mean some final, permanent state. I and mean, we sometimes we use in English we use the word consciousness as something that's um, absolute or permanent. But in Buddhism, it's really the Buddha used the word vijnana to describe not a not a thing, but an activity of bringing something into your mind, of bringing something into awareness through the eyes, through the nose, through the tongue, through the ears, through the touch, and through the mind. It's amazing, huge potential of the mind to bring things, you know, to, to create things. The consciousness is just the moment after moment sense of something being brought to you, brought to your attention. You, know, you are conscious of a thought. You are conscious of a sound. You are conscious of an emotion. You are know, conscious of it. You can't seem, you can't get away from that experience. Whether you are conscious of space, or conscious of light, or conscious of a mosquito biting you. There you know, is always this process of being conscious. The Buddha said you can refine that, right the way down. You can, you know, you can, you can recognize that the process of consciousness is energetic; it's always bubbling. But you can calm it right down to the to the point where consciousness is just, just very gently simmering, very gently bringing. And then when it's very gentle and quiet. And the conscious process is things, subtle states of uh, happiness, ease, and calm. Uh, He said, this is the best you can get. If you want to get something, this is the best you can get. But he said, the deathless is the end of getting anything. (laughs) He says, it's the complete... um, not feeding on, not adopting not taking on anything that arises in consciousness so deathless isn't a thing either, it's not some state of consciousness it means the complete coolness about consciousness the complete cooling out the complete chilling out about whatever arises in consciousness From the sublime the mundane the angelic the demonic the complete cooling out so you're not grabbing it you're not shaken by it you're not confused by it you're not knocked around by it the complete cooling out the non-establishment of consciousness it means you don't establish yourself in a state of consciousness it's just consciousness yeah? this is quite a thing isn't it but this is what wisdom is about Energy, cultivating energy, is about calming, steadying, making these, uh, our, our experience of energy, of vitality, steady. Mm-hmm. This is what we call Samatha. And uh, there's a whole cultivation around that. Very necessary in order to really Get your wisdom faculties to work on the right pieces, on the right bits. Briefly speaking, we have three channels of, of sankhara, of energy the kaya sankhara, the body energy, which is bringing up the sensations, the feelings, the heat, the coolness, the vitality, or the lack of it, the lethargy, or the restlessness, you know, as an bodily experience. We yeah. have that. And then we have the heart experience, the chitta sankara which is bringing up impulses, itches, inclinations, mm-hmm. memories, you know, moves. Mm-hmm. And then we have the vajji-sankara which is bringing up thoughts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and it's important to recognise all of these, so just just ease, ease, understand this because as I was saying yesterday, very often we find ourselves just hooked up to the thinking processes of the mind. We don't even realise there's much more, and we're not really able to attune to much more beneath that. But actually, that's just the froth on the top of the of the of the sea. It's just like the the, the froth on the on the waves of the sea. You notice when the sea comes in you get this kind of white froth foam on, on, on the surface of the water it's quite nice sometimes you get fascinated by froth on the sea that recognises enormous waves <laughs> underneath it all yeah? and the waves are coming from the heart you see, and then even those waves that come from the heart these feelings of anxiety or regret or should do something you know, really resting on something beneath that which is our sense of presence a sense of being something a sense of being here which is basically a very embodied state see so of the Brief, again, very briefly, the thinking mind is what we call that head knowledge or head energy, heart energy is the chitta, and then body energy is the whole sense of feeling you are present in a particular place. And when we develop mindfulness of breathing, we deliberately go to that body energy, you might say the very quality of the sea itself, we start to use that to calm the waves, of their moods and emotions, steady. Yeah? We start to use that to just skim off the froth, the, the bubbles, the thoughts, and say, just leave it alone. You know? Leave it alone, and just feel the sense of what's really happening in your heart, and happening in your in your sense of presence. And this requires wisdom, because. Very often we find out we're thinking of something, we think the problem is this, that, you know. And so we try to find an answer to the problem. Often, for uh, uh, what I find, why we can have problems is because we're often asking the wrong question. We're asking an intellectual question, and really the answer is more an emotional answer, you know. So you might have a question like, you know, um, what is the karma? You know, what is the karma of being a mother? What kind of karma do I have for being a mother? And, and, and really, what you mean is, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about my children. <laughs> which is natural enough. Because I mean, it's it's, often when you start to ask these kind of questions, if they're full of Buddhist technolo- terminology, it's often the case that it's the wrong, qu- wrong question. The real question is something much more simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, say, how, no. how do we pay off the... How do we manage to develop enough good karma to pay off the... the that debt to our parents what kind of things should I do to, to develop, uh, pay off the debt to my parents what do you really mean? you really mean you feel a bit anxious or you feel maybe guilty about you haven't done enough for your parents and sometimes we have questions about meditation like what particular system or technique should I use Really the the issue is you have doubt. How do you deal with doubt? How do you deal with regret? How do you deal with anxiety? These are heart questions. Mm -hmm. Or you might have something like, you know, how do I, uh, how much, uh, why why are so many people suffering in the world? What can I do about it, really? And the, the question really is a question about compassion, isn't it? I feel this sense of compassion and concern for other beings. And I, I feel this sense of wanting to help. The question is, how does compassion manifest? So once we really touch the real question in our lives, it's often a heart question, not a head question. And you can spend a lot of time thinking all kinds of things, and answers, and looking it up in books, when yeah. actually the, heart, the answer is much more immediate than that. It takes wisdom to know where the real question is. You say, don't believe in your thoughts. Try to look at what the emotional quality of your thoughts is. Try to get a sense of the emotional energy those thoughts are resting. It Concern, compassion, yeah, regret, irritation. Mm. This is the way we, we skillfully use wisdom, so that we're not just putting a lot of energy and effort in the wrong direction. So I remember years ago I was talking to a, a I met a man who was a weightlifter, powerful physique and he started doing he'd been meditating for a few years or two. He said, Well you know, how why why you know, how did you come into meditation? And he said, Well he'd been lifting weights, developing this very powerful body. And he'd realised that if he hadn't done his morning exercise on with lifting his weights he didn't feel safe when he walked down the street like he wasn't really in top, tip-top condition so he had to go back and do some more working out to get even stronger, more powerful so he spent a lot of time just developing a powerful body to try to counteract his sense of fear and anxiety so he'd use all this energy to try to find an answer to a problem. But of course, he hadn't answered the problem because he'd, looked, he'd developed the wrong, put his energy in the wrong place. Instead of how to become stronger, how to get more physically powerful, the real issue is how do you deal with anxiety? Yeah? So it takes wisdom to really know what you, have to, what you have to get in touch with. It's really helpful to develop this quality of discernment. This is vipassana. Samatha is the steadying and calming of energy so you... and then you begin to notice where's the pressure not just the superficial thoughts, where's the sense of continuing, nagging thoughts? Some thoughts are just kind of static, you might say, just nervous energy babbling away. Some thoughts have got a bit more charge in them. When they come up you feel yourself really moved by it, and they repeat themselves. So you look for that, the ones that keep coming back. The ones with have got the same emotional flavour to them. So what's this about? This this disturbance. This disturbance. So you, through finding some degree of calm, you notice where you're being disturbed, yeah. and then you develop the, this vipassana insight really means what does this? What supports this? So, Samatha is how to make things, well, how do how things become calm and steady? That's the like, question or the theme of Samatha. And insight is, what does this state of mind rest upon? What supports this state of mind? What supports this hindrance? What supports this sense of, this is me? Yeah, what supports this sense? Yeah. So these two work together, don't they? It's very useful to uh, develop these two together as we do begin to look into the really uh, relevant uh, questions in our lives beneath or see these common themes that we all have. Anxiety is quite a natural thing for us because we can think of it, we can have a sense of the future. What's that going to be like? Hmm. Don't know. <laughs> and then we uh, also we are we are people who are connected, or we feel co- connected to other beings, to other people. you so have the feeling of, are they okay? Are they all right? Oh, are they all right with me? How do they think of me? You know? Are they just being polite and not saying things about me that they really feel? You know? So because we have this awareness that can move out in terms of other people, in terms of the future then it's natural to feel this sense of things are uncertain yeah? and rather than trying to make it certain we deal with uncertainty, we actually open up to uncertainty we investigate uncertainty Not trying to uh, just make things more steady. You can do that to a degree, of course. Try to do the best you can to feel that your future is relatively assured and the people around you, you know, you're doing the best to maintain good relationships with the people around you. That's natural enough. But then finally, you do recognize it's there's always an element of uncertainty and it's one of the things that people find the most difficult to deal with because something in us really wants to be solid permanent established we can't quite do that because anything that seems permanent Established as something, just the rising in consciousness. Any idea of what we are, any feeling about what we are, you start to you know, any assumption about what we are is just another mood, the perception arising in consciousness. Only try to establish it. I'm a good person. You know, that, think, I'm a good person. I'm really a good person. You start to remember something that wasn't so good, and I'm really a bad person. No, I'm really a bad person. It's easier to think you're a bad person (laughs) because then you don't have to struggle anymore, (laughs) trying to prove otherwise. Okay, accept it. You know, you're a failure. (laughs) Yeah. But so that we can kind of tend to lean upon or rely upon these these, these kind of half-conscious assumptions of being good or being bad, yeah. of the future being something we can we can rely upon, or the future being possibly old age, sickness, death. You know? <laughs> So, you know, if you adopt that one, you know, in the future old age sickness, death, right, that's it, and I feel satisfactorily miserable about life, you know, okay, I don't set my hopes too high. Or you can think, well, I'm just sort of an average person, I, you know, I'm not going to be enlightened, I'm just going to average muddle along best I can, try to keep clean, try to do decent things, but, you know, that's as far as it's going to go. That's a reasonable enough thing to hang on to. I'll, I'll be that. Yeah. If I start to say, you know, I'm going to be more than that, that sounds a bit arrogant. Or I've got to prove it. I've got to prove it by coming up with some particular amazing experience. I can't seem to come up with any amazing experiences. All my experiences are not really amazing at all. If you're really an arahant, you have amazing experiences. You know, some experience that was really like nobody else ever had it and I haven't had one of those so I'm not and I just have to accept that I never will be, I'll accept that so we often find ourselves settling into a rather a dog-eared average not very, not very good, not very bad kind of sense that's what I am and actually still with that we're adopting something, aren't we? We're adopting a series of moods and perceptions and assumptions and conclusions saying that's what I am. That's the safest thing to be. Yeah? Nobody's gonna knock me down for that one. They yeah? Only knock down people who are really good or really bad, you yeah? know. So you just kinda of be an incognito average average person, you'll be alright, you yeah? know. Don't sit in your sights, you? you won't be disappointed. No people won't be jealous of him. you. Know? So you setting for this. Who's that? You know? So maybe when you decide that's what you are, you thought, well, if you meditated a bit better, then maybe you could kind of lift it a little bit, you know. <laughs> So, because you're not really much good, well, you know, you can try to meditate a bit and lift a little bit. So, we, so all these, then our our actions, our intentions, our attitudes, all based upon this sense of assuming we are something. Now, already, what that does is it holds the energy of your heart into a particular pattern. It holds the energy of your, of your, of your heart into a particular pattern. You know, this is what I am. This sort of average state is what I am, because you know, I'm not anything other than that. But with wisdom, you recognise what does this state depend upon? It depends upon some doubt, some uncertainties, uh, you know, assumptions, maybe some feelings of regret. You know, It's not a Self, it's not what you are. You never know what you are. You can never know it. Anything that tells you what you are, whether it whispers to you, shouts at you, screams at you, croons at you, whatever it says tells you what you are, that's called Mara, the liar. (laughs) Because what it's saying is, stick to this one stick to this one, don't investigate it, stick to this one, hold on to that, lean on that, adopt that and very clearly the Buddha said you know whatever your state blissful or mundane the freedom, the deathlessness is the mind not leaning on anything not clinging, not feeding on anything so some obvious things we lean upon you know, we may lean upon, you know, creature comforts. So yeah, most people can kind of meditate and see through this one, See, okay, you know, restraint, not that worth, creature comforts aren't worth that much after all, yeah, put it aside. So the next thing that people tend to lean upon is um, systems and customs my routines, my daily routines my meditation techniques you know my sense of responsibilities this is what I am, I'm these this is my duties my responsibilities, my behaviours my customs, things I do this is what I am and with some more meditation, some deeper questioning you recognise, no that's not what I am that's what I do that's not what I am and you start to question, you know, am I really stuck in these routines and habits or can I, you know, use them skillfully when I need to and also step out of it, you know, not feel so trapped, so stuck, so, you know, bonded to behaviours. And so with a little bit of, you know, deeper practice, you can do that. You, know, you you can step out of your box, you can step out of your roles, you can step out of your routines. So this is something, you know, you, you can see through that. So the next level that we get stuck in is the sense of there's tremendous ties in this sea, and one of them tied is towards becoming something. It means we, we have a sense of there's a future that we will get to. We come from the past and we're moving to the future. I was like this five years ago, now I'm this, definitely improvement, and so in the future, you know, keep going. Or I was like that five years ago, now I'm like this, definitely decline. You know, so we assume we are something that exists through time. But when you, you know, in this tremendous, then there's this particular current called becoming which says, you know, develop gets to be something else in the future. Ambition. Some kind or another. You can feel this. Or the opposite tide is I just want to annihilate, not exist at all, drop out, you know, not be anybody. And go the other way. So both of these uh, uh, always give us a sense of being something. There's not many people see through this. they no. are very much uh, associated with a sense of I was this, I am this, I will be this. No. Either trying to develop it, or averse to it. but when you really contemplate what it is that, that, that becomes something that develops, that changes, you can recognise well the body changes, develops, gets bigger, gets sicker, gets older Yeah, that's become something and there's a whole flow of mind states that have developed maybe your mind states becoming clearer, brighter yeah, definitely they've become something which is good but you haven't become anything. <laughs> it's just these mind states that you can witness have become something. What is it that does the witnessing? Has that become anything? Doesn't make sense, does it? You can't you can't witness anything, you know. You can't become more witnessing. <laughs> Or less of it, you just you're aware of that. Yeah. So that quality doesn't become anything, but it doesn't mean it's it's annihilating anything. It just doesn't doesn't really move or change. He said, and sometimes you know people really get start to get this. A few people really get this, or oh, we get this sometimes. Sometimes you realise. You know, it's just thoughts and feelings that come and move through time. It's just karma working itself out. It's just causes and conditions moving along. Good and bad, and naturally, our inclination is, let's develop the good. Because that's going to give the happiest kinds of mind states and feelings and skillful conditions to live within, all true enough. But it's not deathless. It still has to be supported and kept going and it still isn't quite good enough, quite satisfying enough. You never finally become anything that's enough. You've always got to keep the thing rolling and propping it up. It's like building houses. You build them and you start repairing them. <laughs> then you build a new one and you have to keep repairing that. That's the way it goes. That's becoming. You never finally get it there, established. It's not permanent. So whatever, you know. Eventually, you through that real seeing that you become dispassionate about becoming. You know, in in. Monastic life in my life as a monk, then yeah, naturally Uh started meditating, wanted to you know, finally get my mind clear. But, uh, you know. So, definitely doing more meditation, doing many hours of meditation to get my mind clear. Definitely the mind got clearer. You know. Not quite enough yet. Well, then. Look into the Buddhism. The best way is to be a good monk, you know, good opportunities for practice. So, you know, to be a good monk, to find the right place to meditating. Places quiet, and yet comfortable, and yet, um, you know, supported, and yet not too many responsibilities. Good teachers and. You know. You know, trying to find the situation, the perfect situation. Some people are still doing this. I know monks are doing this after 25 years, trying to find the right place to meditate in. <laughs> They haven't found it yet. Because <laughs> there's always something wrong. Climate, food, people, energies, devatars, Nagas. rock teachers isn't good. Too many people, not enough people. You know, There's human responsibilities or whatever. And then even in turn, you think, you know, I want to be really, so I really become a good monk, I really understand the Dhamma, keep a very strong standard of vinaya, and get very good meditation practice. My mind can go into a fourth jhana, and really strict vinaya. Oh, goodness. It's a big, big job. You know? And no matter what you do, there's still that feeling is." You can look around and you see the Buddha and you're never going to be as good as that. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I don't mum, can't do it, I don't child, can't do it. So you always feel, you know, you sort of way down the line of that and no matter how hard you try you're never going to get there. Mm. And after a while you begin to recognise this kind of nagging energy and pushing energy. And you realise that these beings got enlightened through letting go of that. <laughs> Not through developing, through letting go of that nagging force that says you have to be something else, you know? because then you get to the heart of the problem, you know, which is the current of becoming. Now, it's not to say that uh, skillful mind aren't to be developed, but realize that skillfulness is not the deathless regard. it's a support for it you develop skill and then you witness who, who is who's, who's this skillful person <laughs>
1: look into that what yeah.
0: does it feel like With that you have the sense of uh, what's called conceit, which doesn't necessarily mean pride, it means conceiving yourself as being anything. It's a a heart state of I am this, I am this, I am this. it's good, bad and different. And all these rest upon, uh, often we don't examine these, we just follow these. So in wisdom you begin to question who is it? Who is it? When you find yourself coming into the sense of being present, You know, with the, these energies, these tides, these flows, being present, dispassionate towards it, less taking a stand upon it, and dispassion detachment, dispassion, this is the path to the deathless, dispassion, detachment and then eventually a complete, what's called an is a complete stopping of that push to be, to have, it's like don't know, don't know, um, complete uncertainty, lovely uh, description Ajahn Chah said, gave about the various kinds of, uh, of, de- of Aryans or developed beings and said you yeah, have the stream entry, stream entry is pretty uncertain of, you know, what they are, who they are. And you have the, the once-returner, they are even more uncertain. Non-returner, very uncertain. Arahant is totally uncertain, <laughs> doesn't know a thing where you think it's the other way around, you go, alright, you've really got this and that and you figured it all out and then it's just gone. realize that whatever you can say that isn't it. You know, whatever you want to hold on to that isn't it. That's just another thing. It's just another state. But you become more and more dispassionate so you don't create anything. Ceasing, stopping, and then relinquishment of saga, which means a complete Relinquishment of that interest in trying to define or be anything. So the very sense of presence itself is something we become also dispassionate to, just not uh, making a stand on. This is investigation. Investigation is always in line with the four noble truths. That's 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 the key point of it. You can recognize somewhere. There's still this sense of a slight pressure. Yeah. So that's why we, we, you know, as you do that, you something you inclines to making your energy calmer, and steadier, so that you can still see these subtler pressures. When your energy is really chaotic, you don't notice these things because it's the, the whole field as the mind is too rough and disturbed and it starts to calm down you notice these subtler pressures when you are not confused by the suds on the sea you start to see the waves when you are lost in the waves you start to notice the ocean and the underlying currents you sense the pressures there, sense the pressure of wanting to be something so in any kind of pressure there is always the mind is leaning on something, holding on something so the practice is gets very simple, simpler as you develop or as the meditation deepens, it becomes simpler. Just notice where the, wherever the pressure, the stress is, the push, the resistance, feel that, let go of it, just relax, open up. Step, you know, what does it take? The cessation of that stress and pressure. To hold, to know, to be something—it's mm-hmm. like that, isn't yeah. it? You know, you look for a realization. When on a ten-day retreat, I should have realized something by now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? When I get it, you know, we're trying to remember what the teacher says. So hey, you really got that. Oh, you yeah, had some moment you thought you saw something, so what was that? You want to hold it, get it, get the bit. <laughs> so, there's a quality of uh, what does arise interestingly enough in all, 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 all this process of letting go. Is the very quality of letting go supports the arising of other faculties that don't come around through deliberate intention and come around as the part of the process. And One of the big faculties that arise is faith, or sadha, which is you don't have to know, you trust. You trust the process, you trust the Dhamma, you trust the simplicity, you trust the immediacy of what you're experiencing, you're not continually comparing yourself with what you should and could and other people you realise all you you can do, all you can trust in really is the immediacy of your own experience and that sense of where's the stress now? What am I trying to hold on to? And really you don't need to hold on to the Dhamma. It supports you, you don't need to hold on to it. do need to hold on to it as, as some sort of set of ideas or theories just tune in to the four noble truths and you notice where the stress occurs and you keep practicing that relinquishment of that yeah. and know what, why, where it has to be relinquished sometimes we really want to relinquish a thought we don't really want to relinquish it we just want to get rid of it that's not relinquishment. <laughs> That's aversion. <laughs> relinquishment is relinquish- often relinquishment of the aversion to your thoughts. Okay, I'm thinking. Or oh, you feel kind of confused or sick when you feel sick. Yeah, just relinquishment of that, that wish to feel clear and bright. And be with the confused mind. Be with the dull mind. You no, know, you no, know, you just not. Where is the stress in this? Resistance, aversion, feeling. You know, if you can't. You've got a runny nose. You can't practice Anapanasati. You can't get to the Ibarra if you've got a cold. <laughs> your nose is blocked up. Just, just let go of that, will you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is why the Buddha. He taught meditation, but meditation isn't the answer. He taught many things, but none of them is the answer, really. The answer comes through the whole process of the Four Noble Truths and the immediacy, the directness of our own experience of that. And and really our our main uh, requirement is to keep the faith there. Your faith is more supported by being, by letting go, than by holding on. So I notice people have had faith in a particular teacher, and the teacher goes crazy. Oh dear, faith destroyed. (laughs) Or oh, they have faith in a particular monastery, and the monastery goes weird. Oh dear, faith gone down. <laughs> but what you can really have faith in is the four noble truths, <laughs> and the immediacy of your own experience. The rest of it is very subject to circumstances. But said, you know, whatever else happens, the four noble truths will be there. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's your path. Yeah. And you can take that at a very obvious level. You know, how we give up, you know, abusing ourselves or belittling ourselves, or you know, unskilful behaviour towards others, or the particular trends that we can encourage that take us into suffering and stress, like is ambition or pride. Yeah. You know. I think to the subtler things, the sense of, uh, of, be, of being and owning and having, needing to be something. Mm. So your, your penetration of the Four Noble Truths is always the, the epitome, the hallmark, the trend of the, of the training, to keep deepening the penetration of the Four Noble Truths. This is what the Buddha said, only Buddhas really, really know the Four Noble Truths in their their complete depth and penetration of them. The rest of us just need to keep tuning into that and working with it, letting it go deeper and deeper into every form of stress. So offer this for your reflection this evening. Do you have any um, questions you'd like to ask or things you'd like to talk about well, we have this time together? At the time as there's nothing much to talk about, there's still much to talk about things. So. <laughs> Just because, uh, yeah.
2: difference between the Sankara as I mentioned in particular, Sankara, and in the Sankara, there's of the between Kama, and that's usually described as manu. Sorry? And that's usually described modern, if as manu. is that right? As what? Color, that's what Kama, um, well, Kama form. Kama form, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I, I, yes, well, Sankara is, is a really wonderful word because it's a really very crucial term in, in, uh, in the Buddhist teachings and yet it's almost always untranslatable so, because it, it really refers to, it can be seen as twofold, you know, one, it's the uh, the creative energy itself, and one, it's the result of the creative energy. It's both cause. So, you know, it's like um, you might say a current, but when it, if you get a current of water as it flows, it creates a particular groove or valley. You know? So, so the sankara is the flow, it's also the, the groove or the valley that's been created by that. So we might say sankaras are the channels, so the channels through, through, through which um, energies flow are the chitta, the kaya, the bhaji sankara these are the channels. They themselves are compounded by life. So when you have a, when you're just a single-celled organism, you don't have much chitta sankara, vaji sankara, or you certainly don't have any thought formation when you're just a single-celled being. Yeah? So, but out of the program of life, which is called ayu sankara, these particular channels are formed. So they themselves are formed, and they carry formative energy now in terms of, so so you say all of that process of being formed Sankara is dependent upon not having realized nirvana or ignorance or some degree of ignorance if you'd realized yeah, Nibbāna you would realized nirvana you would not be here now you know <laughs> so all of that is, is called pachaya Sankara Sankara Pachaya Vinyana so dependent upon that very quality of Lack of realisation is the arising of this formative energy that we call our life. And that life, for, that life force keeps using consciousness, or consciousness depends upon continual life energy, you know, bringing, bring, using that to bring things into awareness. So, um, so that's, if you like, something we have no choice over. You have no volition, volitional choices over that's just happening. Yeah? Now that can cease with the realization of nirvana, yeah? but uh, for, most, for this time that's happening, so it's not volitional, it's just uh, the vipaka kama or the result. Then you also have uh, sankara, also refers to particular qualities. That act that are again not volitional, not dependent on volition, that that keep the whole of our psychophysical organism coherent. That means something happens when I want to remember something. Something goes, and I remember it. Sometimes. <laughs> now you know that. So there's a there's a there's, so there's an energy there that does that, yeah. Yeah. and uh, the Buddha said that these five, what are called the five kunda are they're all constructed, they're all bound together by sankara. So, so in other words, the sense of uh, uh, form. Um, when I sit quietly, still this experience of having a uh, pressure of these elemental qualities get stuck together as, this is my body. Actually when you feel warps, it's very different from pressure. The earth element is very different from the fire element. Yet something says, they stick together. So so that's Sankara, something kind of assembles these things as, this is a body. When you look at a body, you see all kinds of bits and pieces, something says, oh that's a body. Um, Sankara also condition or form our uh, uh, memories and perceptions. Yeah. So we might see something as beautiful or familiar or friendly. We yeah. see somebody smile; that's friendly. Something has actually written that down. Something has actually created a program that says that. So again, that's not dependent upon evolution, that's just what life does, that's what the Khandas do, that's what the Sankaras do. They're rather like computer programs, you know, they're firing they assemble these things. At another level, Sankaras also refers to karma formations, which means deliberate or intentions that we have. Now this is much more to do with our intention. So you have some kind of intention towards good or towards bad, towards jealousy, towards fear, towards generosity. So Sankara also refers to this, these are the ones that create karma. And that the Buddha's primary message was, these are the ones you really have to deal with in terms of ethics, get it clear, because these are the ones that determine which way that tide of being flows in this life and further on. So, if you deal with this clearly and fully, what will happen is that that particular karma forming tendency will be quite steady. Okay. The sankaras are then skillful and good. Because of that, you're not continually having to kind of clean up the mess you've just created, or bury it, or hide it. So, then you can get to work on directing your intention towards examining the five candles as not self. So then you use that sankhara energy, which is the energy of intention, you know aim, purpose, clearly to say to use it to investigate this experience of the five aggregates yeah? And as we all recognize in the Buddhist teaching, he perception is impermanent, changing, that's not what I am body impermanent changing, that's not what I am you know? But in order to get that realization we have to use some kind of intention some kind of directing of the mind so we use sankara in order to not to, not to try to break up the aggregates not, but actually to see through them so you're not trying to dis- destroy the system or stop the system from running but actually just to recognise it's just a system you know it's useful to wake up every morning and know who you are rather have to have to go through the whole process of trying to figure it out. It just happens automatically, which is great. You don't have to remember how to speak your language, you know, it's there for you. You don't have to remember how to tie your shoes up. You know, it's there for you. So having a fully operating set of aggregates is not a bad deal. You don't want them to be any other way. But what you do begin to recognise is just the system. It's just the program. You know? It's just the program, so the, the you know, then you're using this is called the karma or the skillful intentions that lead to the end of karma because when you cultivate that you don't keep laying down more territory for the aggregates to accumulate it's just just they're just doing their thing you know don't make anything out of it
2: yeah see
0: what conditions are. yeah See what conditions are and see if they are conditions. you don't necessarily need to ch- need to change them that much, just ne- you need to change the way you view them. so the person is really a question of viewing viewing them with dispassion with detachment as what they are yeah. Complicated
2: answer. I I understand more than you think. It's the mayor uh uh, um what's your one, Um Arija Basically. Uh, don't get involved. (laughs)
1: I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to figure out someone who's got no sight, no sense of hearing, no sense of uh, speech. How do you explain the workings of the Sankara in someone like that?
0: Well, mm. Someone who has no sense of sight or sound or he, the, the 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 external sense consciousness. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess there's some mental experience or psychological experience, isn't
1: there? Someone is, well, someone is born and with this handicap. This could mean that the, what can
0: Ajahn just said about Sankara's bringing... Bringing the, the aggregates together. Yeah, aggregates together. So oh, yeah. he or she will have
1: no chance to be able to um, investigate
0: further. Yeah, yeah. So it just stops at that? It's like you seem to be, I guess, you're... Morris in the parking bay for this lifetime (laughs) (laughs) until things wear out and things change. Not much you can do in that, I guess. Well, the consciousness may very well, you know, be there, but exactly what I, you know, now being a bit theoretical really, as to what what the nature of the experiences is, it might be various senses of being and moods and feelings just kind of moving through Um, so, you know, if the mind is is unimpaired then certainly that person could direct their, their attention towards the experience they're having you don't need seeing, hearing, touching to do that still have a mind I think it would be very unusual, but uh, it might be the only thing you could do. It might be the perfect way to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> no distractions. <laughs> so Sankara you can see most fundamentally is the life energy, I'm called Ayu Sankara. It's the life force that, that basically keeps the whole rolling on you know? and that uh, for for that will diversify into the body the heart and thought you know for a human being those three channels you might say so it's not really associated with the sense basis but more with the um, You know, the, the sense of being, being a body, experiencing moods and feelings, and uh, being able to form concepts. So that's what having a, Vajji like Sankara is the ability, the energy that can form concepts You can actually say, oh, that's uh, one of those, you know, does that that's what he said, kind of. formation.
1: It's definitely something, on, something going on in the head more than um, the sensation of, the, of being in a certain space. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm hoping that there could be a, a way out so mm-hmm. Meditation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to meditation.
0: Well, when we use a word like meditation, really, there's a whole range of things. More useful is mind cultivation or cultivation. So there are certain, you know, depending on what uh, one is working with, there are different things you can cultivate. So one of the fundamental things you cultivate is, is mindfulness. So this is just the recognition, this is this, this is this, you know. So rather than, uh, so it acts as, like a, uh, as a, almost like a stopper, stops the flood. So, when we're feeling claustrophobic, okay, the feeling is this. The feeling is of uncertainty or not feeling comfortable or feeling whatever is felt. It's like that. Now, that doesn't sound like much of a help, but what it does means that, that you know it's just, it's just that feeling, that perception, that impression, and it can stop there. And if we're not mindful of it, then it tends to take over, it tends to rush in and push us around. So, you know, people like people who have things like uh, vertigo, you know, uh, heights, height fear. So, and I, was walk- I went on a, a walking uh, retreat and with a group of people, and some of them, we were walking the mountains, and some of them went in order to work with their fear of heights. You no. Know. <laughs> so they actually had this fear of heights and we were walking on quite narrow, well, relatively narrow mountain paths in order to experience fully you know, the retreat. So you've got a lot of encouragement to develop mindfulness, just to feel the sense of of what that does to you and to be mindful of it. It doesn't mean pushing past it, but actually to feel what's happening and not and just keep noticing it's that, it's that, it's that. I think with many phobias is also what comes in is the sense of there's something wrong with you. You know, you shouldn't be this way. You shouldn't have one of those. <laughs> you know, so that's always messes things up because, <laughs> you know, where does that take you to? <laughs> so you put that aside just so the whole emphasis on mindfulness is to just witness something as a phenomenon. Just, just that. How does, it, how does it experience? Do you feel pressure? What happens to your nervous system? you feel heat? What's your sense of being something? Do you feel shaky, uncertain? Um, do you feel um, a sense of loss or loss of stability? Aha! Uh-huh. That's what it is. It's that, it's that, it's that. And uh, that, that, so that's, that's what you use mindfulness for, for that particular experience. It may be possible from that, when you, because that acts as the foundation around which one can develop things like calm. Now, calm may be just the continual affirmation of "you're okay, you're okay, you're okay." You know, you're feeling this uncomfortable feeling, but it's okay. You know, you're not overwhelmed. So that, and the more that can come in, the more you get a sense of like an inner refuge, a quality of calm. Uh, uh, so that's helpful, uh, calming the mind, st- it gives it some stability. Uh, a lot of the time, n- naturally enough, we, when we experience difficulties, um, then you know most of our senses is either to try and get rid of the difficulty or to feel hopeless. You know? but mindfulness is not about getting rid of it nor about feeling hopeless it's just about acknowledging that and then seeing what kind of um, uh, remedies will help me to be with this so finding some calm, finding some stability uh, definitely helps with those experiences and uh, it may be that 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 will help the experience to soften become less intense it may be something that, that's still there, but it doesn't become an overwhelming problem. We know how to deal with it.
2: Can you recommend outside regression hunting? Because there are some books that say this could be due to trauma from previous existence, and outside regression hunting, We can revisit that experience.
0: Bring it, have a go right <laughs> <on>. <laughs> I don't know I haven't done any of like that <laughs> it may be this life experience you know, is something traumatic in his life I don't know of a major
2: clinic or something. Uh, the problem is when he wrote about this there very beautiful patients he had and he found that when he analyzed the life history there was no factor or aspect that that contributed to the myriad phobias that she was suffering uh, medically so he put it on the hypnosis, and he's a Christian, and it's very hard to read because every five paragraphs he puts in the Christian doctrine and dogma to explain whatever it is that you know. He detected like 18 past rebirths for that one patient, yeah, and a uh-huh. lot of the trauma was um, traced to various experiences, uh-huh. traumatic experiences actually.
0: Right, so even Christians won't keep going on forever, do they? I thought that was just the one shot and you either heaven or hell or <laughs> <coughs> how's the end of it? You're gonna come back again, do it all over, huh? <laughs> yeah, well if, if uh it's very interesting. Could be worthwhile.
2: Yeah, I about <laughs> I'll come back
0: Probably find that something else goes wrong. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll, I'll rediscover all my previous traumas. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you might have. Don't up some ones you didn't. You haven't brought into this life. Maybe <laughs> 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 you just settle for the one you got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was uh, thinking about this. Uh, I was talking about being in the present and just being aware of not becoming a leader uh, in that aspect. But uh, how do we balance the view between directing the mind towards something uh, in, in certain aspect? Because I'm sure to a certain extent uh, there's this element of uh, direction, even making an aspiration. Yeah, somewhat
0: direct in the mind. Mm So how do we balance the two views? Well, it's um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the the, you know, I think we probably recognize that uh, a lot of the time we're not just simply present. There's something pushing us around. So we have to direct the mind towards the penetration of the four noble truths. So that is your basic direction you know where is the stress uh, now that may be something very specific, like you know uh, having an argument with someone i 've got some bad memories around that so as you as you focus on that then you 've got to deal with that yeah. so your intention you focus your intention always on where is the sense of stress or suffering or pressure happening that becomes more evident as you as you begin to, you know, rest and steady yourself in the present moment, you see the qualities that are not letting you rest. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think also with that, some the more that you incline that way, that your your mind will start to um, look into deeper qualities of calm and steadiness. Yeah. So I'm not. Not saying there's no development of Samadhi in that but I, the, the development of Samadhi happens almost almost involuntarily. It's like it becomes a means to an end rather than an end in itself. You know It's you, something you recognize. No, I need to settle down a bit more steady in order to see through that. So, it's always related to the penetration of the Four Noble Truths rather than just something you feel you've got to do it for its own sake. So, that's, that's your fundamental intention. Is always, you know, what's the way out of suffering and stress right now?
1: How can I suggest we do it in common maybe to a person, a lay person, leading a worldly life? So yes you recognise the fact that all problems and so that at the same time in um, a very conventional world of well, existence it's hard yeah. to yeah. say no direct sense towards certain goals or the yeah well exactly yeah.
0: yeah so when you look towards the ending of suffering and stress you start to I think certain things come to mind first of all uh, you need to establish a sense of, of clarity you know, is my mind clear? Am I just in a blur? Am I so? You think, well, am I, so? You start to see that you need to um, develop some sense of meditation in order to get quality of clarity. So you're not just continually overloading. As you meditate more, you begin to see in, in that you know any any unwholesome actions we've done have bad effects. So we you, think you've got to keep the precepts. You know. So you direct yourself towards that, keeping the precepts. You know, as as, as, as something that is really important to do. Uh, so it's always the, the the inclination of wisdom is to see, is to discern what kind of things cause immediate stress or long-term stress or long-term suffering or immediate suffering. They can be ethical. You know, things that cause me regret—they can be, you might say, more to do with livelihood. Too busy, too active, could be, do, you know, hanging out with the wrong kind of people, um, giving your attention to things that are not conducive. So, sense restraint um, is important. So that's the whole cultivation, isn't it, for for, for all of us? And what those are the things you probably you know, are your priorities as a layperson to get those attended to so that you can in fact go more within, you know, in your meditation and rather just be continually dealing with daily issues, you can go to more um, long-term issues such as your your perception of yourself which is much subtler and yet of course uh, very uh, fundamental. Well, I think one of the helpful things if you, you, know, if, if you really like having, um, or it's helpful to have lists of things to guide yourself with is the five precepts of ten paramita. You know, so your intentions are towards generosity, morality, renunciation or simplicity, towards discernment, towards um, energy, applying effort skillfully, towards truthfulness. Towards patience, you know, towards loving kindness, towards making commitments and staying with it, keeping the word. You know, not just giving up on things, and towards equanimity. So if you just get a few of those, you know, you stick them on your on your fridge door, patience. You, know. <laughs> you put them on your on the dashboard of your car, patience. You know, next time you're in a traffic jam, patience comes up. You know. Or you have on your, your business person, you've got on your desk, equanimity. Then, the, the, you know, the, your business goes up and down, equanimity <laughs> comes off the board, you know. You, when you're with other people, kindness, you know. You get, so these words would be very helpful to give you kind of keynotes for your inclinations. So that but in a, all of those contribute, build up. The causes and conditions that back up the penetration of the Four Noble Truths.
1: Yeah.